All right, we'll have the Go Ye Kids to Go Ye. I like saying that. And uh, they go back and learn about missions and how to pray for our missionaries. Uh, the rest of us, let's take our Bible and tur- Bibles and turn to Psalm 61. Psalm 61. And uh, this is not a hard and fast series, but we have been in the Psalms on uh, Sunday nights and going um, to do something a little different than, than we have in the past. But Psalm 61, Hear my cry, O God, attend unto my prayer. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For thou hast been a shelter for me and a strong tower from the enemy. I will abide in thy tabernacle forever. I will trust in the covert of thy wings. Selah. For thou, O God, hast heard my vows. Thou hast given me the heritage of those that fear thy name. Thou wilt prolong the king's life and his years as many generations. He shall abide before God forever. O prepare mercy and truth, which may preserve him. So will I sing praise unto thy name forever, that I may daily perform my vows. Now, if you have a Bible that has the uh, addresses of, of the Psalms, this one will say to the chief musician, and it says, A Psalm of David. And so this is one of the Psalms that is authored by David. It has his signature there. And... Uh, Incredible little psalm. And uh, we're just going to go through that psalm tonight. It's actually divided into two parts. That little word selah in the middle there is take a break. Uh, it means to just pause, to, to rest, to think about it. Now people have tried to substitute all kinds of things in there, but that, that is just the simplest use of the word selah. And... Uh, uh, somewhat very similar to how we use the word amen in our modern services. And so we have the need, we have the plea of the psalmist, Hear my cry, O God, attend unto my prayer. Now, how many of you would echo with the psalmist, I have a prayer that God must answer? I mean, this is our prayer meeting. This is why we come together on Sunday nights to pray. And really, it is usually our least attended service. Why? Because we're asking you to work tonight. Uh, this, this is part of the effort. And, and prayer is part of our worship uh, to God. If we have failures in our Christian life, in our faith, normally they can be attached. Almost always they can be attached to a problem in prayer. That's why the Christian armor, if you study Ephesians chapter 6, what is the last thing? Praying always with all prayer and supplication. The warrior girds the armor on not to go out and find the devil and start slashing with him with his sword of the Spirit, but to know how to pray. To get rid of self 
so that I can bring prayers before God that He will hear. And the psalmist here is pleading for God to hear his prayer. And I, I love this next verse, and I've preached on it often over the years, this verse all by itself, from the end of the earth will I cry unto thee, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. I am so glad tonight that we can echo these words. You see, it doesn't take much to overwhelm this simple preacher. How about you? How many people know what's coming up in two and a half weeks? April 15th. Tax day! How many of you are excited about your patriotism, according to Vice President Biden? The more taxes you pay, the more patriotic you are, according to him. And... uh, I I don't like that definition of patriotism. In fact, my definition is pay the least amount of tax avoidance. Good. What's the other one? Tax evasion? Bad. Uh, One is honest. The other is dishonest. And so be careful. But listen. You can get overwhelmed. I, I help my kids fill out their taxes. And uh, one of the reasons I do that is so they don't have to waste money. But uh, Andrew's got two filings. Hannah and Rachel got three, plus other schedules that are attached to it. Deborah's got about four or five schedules uh, because she works for the church and she's got self-employment and all this. And we put in. And, and I learned how to do this because I do my own. And if that sounds, last year I think I filled out 57 pages of tax forms. You know what? You can get overwhelmed. You can get frustrated beyond measure. I'm glad there's something bigger than government out there. Amen? I am glad that I can tell you, as David prayed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. When you're facing health issues... And the doctor says, well, we think we kind of know what you got, but we're really not certain, but we're going to run some tests and all of this. Hey, let me tell you something. God's bigger than the doctors. He's bigger than the hospitals. He knows more than the sum total of all the knowledge of all mankind. You see, He is the rock. And I can ask God to lead me To the rock that is higher than I. You know what that does? That takes the responsibility off of me in an honest way. You see, Calvinism is dishonest. Because that takes the responsibility off of me in a dishonest way. And blames God for all the problems of this world. But this one is, as Peter said... Casting all your care upon Him, for He careth for you. You see, that takes the responsibility off me and puts it on God in a completely different light and attitude. You see, God will protect me from whatever is out there that is troubling my soul. Amen? You're the psalmist, and you study the life of David. 
did David have opportunities to pray this prayer? I mean, when he was on top of that mountain and Saul's soldiers were compassing him round about and trapping him, do you think David was... Lord, you've got to answer prayer or I'm dead. How about when he went to Gath, wearing the sword of Goliath? I mean, I still don't get over that. That was, I mean, what do you say? How could you get dumber than going to Gath to hide from Saul, wearing Goliath's sword, when you were the whole reason that Goliath doesn't need a sword anymore? That was Goliath's hometown. He had five other brothers that were there. And, that, I mean, that just wasn't the brightest thing in the world. Do you think David was praying, lead me to the rock that is higher than I? I'll bet you he was. And there are multitudes of time in David's life, even when he had sinned against God, that he was saying, Lord, you've got to hear my prayer. Lord, I'm overwhelmed. I don't have the answer. I have no way of getting one. Just lead me to the rock that is higher now. I wish we could spend the whole night right there, but we, we, I want to finish the whole psalm if we can. Verse 3. David gives his experience. For thou hast been a shelter for me and a strong tower from the enemy. He says... I am praying because I have an overwhelming need. I cannot stay where I am. I am in trouble. I am going to be moved. I mean, when the floodwaters come in, what is the danger? The danger is them moving the earth around the foundations of buildings and bridges and things. And when that happens... We call it being overwhelmed and things move and things collapse and great damage and harm to life is done. David says, I can't stay where I'm at. I am overwhelmed. My heart is overwhelmed within me. Lord, you've got to get me out of here. I got to get on higher ground, but I don't want to be put on ground that's going to be moving. I need to be put on the rock that's solid to keep me above this. But I want you to know something. God, you've been my shelter in the past. This isn't the first time I've needed you. You've been that strong tower that has protected me and kept me safe from the enemy. You see, I have a great need, but I have experience. And that leads us to verse 4. We have a pattern here. He says, I will abide in thy tabernacle forever. I will trust in the covert of thy wings. And he stops and says, I want you to think about these things. Verse 4 is his hope. You see, I have a terrible situation. I am calling upon the name of the Lord and asking him to lead me out of this situation and put me in a safe place because he's done it in the past. He's been my shelter. He's been my strong tower. And guess what? I'm going to abide in his tabernacle. Now, the, the word tabernacle there means tent. Temporary dwelling. 
uh, in the 40s, 30s and 40s, it was a very popular thing in independent Baptist churches to call your church tabernacle instead of church. Uh, and part of that mentality, part of the reasoning was there was everybody was expecting the Lord to come back. And they said, this is only a temporary place. Well, let me tell you, the church is extremely permanent until Jesus takes it out of the way. Amen? And we have a place that God will put up to protect us. The tabernacle in the Old Testament was the place of worship. If you want to go to another psalm, I love quoting Psalm 23. Thou preparest a table before me when? In the presence of mine enemies. He says, I'm going to dwell in the tabernacle. He says, I'm going to rest in the covert or covert of thy wings. Now, many people have written about this, but uh, out in the Midwest, many years ago, it was covered with a prairie. And uh, very little of the prairie is left today. Uh, the prairie, the high prairie especially, was almost like a grassy desert. Hardly ever rained. But the ground, when the grass had grown so thick that the moisture would be saved there and the, and the, the prairie itself would, would uh, just literally dry up during the dry season and then the rain would come and it would just blossom. But they'd have fires. And a prairie fire was a credible thing. I mean, the prairie was flat. And the wind would get driving it. And sometimes those flames would be moving 30 and 40 miles an hour. And they'd kill everything in its sight. remember reading a guy who was writing about, maybe not this passage, but one similar to it. And he, he had the experience of being out there on a prairie after a fire had blown through. And he saw these little prairie hens just stuffed, sitting there, just fried in by the fire. And he just walked over and kind of gave it a little brush. And the little birds ran out from underneath. The mother had taken her chicks and put them under her wings. And she gave her life, and her little chicks survived. I'll tell you what. Isn't that what Jesus did? He died on the cross. And God's judgment was poured out upon him. He was marred more than any other man, the Bible tells us. And yet we have life. You see, that's my hope. And the Bible tells us if Jesus would give us the kingdom, what won't he give us? Why do we worry about all the things we worry about when we have the promises of God that are right here in this passage? Why do we get so upset? It's because our faith is in the wrong place. Listen, I I believe in being active in government. I believe in doing voting. I believe in doing everything we can. But you've got to understand something. Our hope's not in the White House. And if your hope is in Congress, you are, of all men, most hopeless. I mean, there's just no other way to describe that dysfunctional group of people. It was 
something historically that we would just call a disaster. But let me tell you something. That's not where my hope is. My hope is in His tabernacle and in the covert of His wings. And so that's our first section here. And now the second section of this psalm is going to answer the first section of this psalm. And David is going to begin talking about the promises of God. He says, For thou, O God, hast heard my vows. Thou hast given me the heritage of those that fear thy name. Do you see what David is saying there? He's saying, listen, I made some promises to you, O Lord. And you've heard those. You read through some of these psalms. I'll tell you what, they're amazing. They're fearful. How would you go to God and say, God, judge me by my service for you. That's what David said in many of those psalms. Judge me by my righteousness. You know what we say? Dear God, judge me by your righteousness. Dear God, forgive me for all my failures. David had made some promises to God, and guess what? He kept them. He made some big messes. He sinned some great sins. But he also served God with his life. There was a life of service in, in, those, in that teenage boy, long before he walked into the valley of Elah and met a guy named Goliath. That's how he was able to win that battle. He said, those vows, those promises that I made you as that little shepherd boy, when we commune, it says, you've heard those things. You've given me the heritage of those that fear thy name. He said, people, when they talk about David, talk about somebody who loves God and fears His name. That tells us this psalm was not written early in David's life, but later on when he had a history. And we know it was definitely because of the next verse written after he had went to God and asked to build the temple. What's it say here? It says, Thou wilt prolong the king's life and his years as many generations. When David went to God and said, I want to build you a temple. His prophet said, do as God has put in your heart. And then God showed up and told the prophet, uh, you, you spoke a little early. David's not going to build me a temple because he was a bloody man and he shed blood and he had to fight wars. The man that's going to build my temple is going to be a man of peace. It's going to be David's son. And he said, David is going to have an everlasting kingdom. Of course, you and I know the fulfillment of that kingdom is going to be yet in the future in the person of Jesus Christ, the son of David, who will sit and rule this world. There will not be peace in the Middle East until the Prince of Peace rules from the city of peace, sitting upon the throne of David. David didn't understand all of those things that would have to happen, but he understood that God said, forever and ever, there's going to be a son of David sitting upon the throne. And he's quoting the promises of God right here. He shall abide for, before God forever. Oh, prepare mercy and truth which may preserve him. So will I sing praise 
unto thy name forever, that I may daily perform thy vows. Now, I want you to get this last part here. He talked about the promises of God. You see, he was calling out to God to deal with a situation that had completely overwhelmed his soul. He says, I have a history. I have experience. God has been my shelter. He's been my tower. I have a hope because he has uh, uh, kept me. And he's going to keep me forever. I will trust in the covert of thy wings. God has promised me that he will give me an eternal name that the people, when they talk about God, are going to talk about David and his descendants. And then he says there's going to be a response to that. See, that's where we miss out most of the time. If you're not careful, you listen to that TBN crowd... And they talk about all the things that God's going to do for you. Or the purpose-driven crowd. You want God to give you what you want. That's not the way it works. That's not the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible gives you things and does great things so that you can respond like David did right here. And he says, so will I sing praise unto thy name forever. Now, you know how one of the ways David has accomplished that? I'm preaching on his song to you tonight. Guess what? David is still praising God. And we're spending our entire evening here tonight in God's Word looking at David's songs. But then he ends it very Differently, doesn't it? He says, I'm going to sing praises forever that I may what? What's that next word in there? I can't hear you. One more time. What's the next word? That means doing something. He says that I may daily perform my vows. Now, I really didn't plan on this sermon fitting in so well with this morning's sermon. But that's what it's talking about. Is David said, I want to daily do those things that God has for me. I just want to daily. You see, that's why we pray. That's why we come before the Lord. That's why we expect great things from God, is so that I can daily do those things. How many of you, don't raise your hands, but I just want you to think, how many of you, right after or as soon as you got saved, said, i got to give my life to Jesus who gave his life for me? Amen? Is that not the natural response of salvation? You know, God's listening to those promises. And He wants us to perform it on a daily basis. That our life belongs to Him. Now, I want you to keep your Bibles open to Psalm 61. And I want to read you a verse out of the New Testament, and then we'll be done. A couple verses, actually. Now, 
Keep in verse 61. Hear my cry, O God, attend unto my prayer. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee when my heart is overwhelmed. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. For thou hast been a shelter for me and a strong tower from the enemy. I will abide in thy tabernacle forever. I will trust in the covert of thy wings. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. Do you see the connection between the two passages? You see... It's not about me, it's about Jesus. And if I'll die to myself, he'll lead me to that rock that is higher than I. And I have some promises of God. They're not the same ones that he made to David, but he said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Lo, I am with thee always, even unto the end of the world. And here's what he says. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He says, I will daily perform my vows. He says, give me mercy and truth that I may be preserved, that you may preserve the king in his way. It says, I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. You see... Every one of us is going to be challenged. Our hearts are going to be overwhelmed. But you can't overwhelm a dead person. I am crucified with Christ. You ever, I'm sure you've seen where they take those paddles and they shock the heart to get it to work. Uh, if you're dead, that doesn't help at all. I mean, you can have a near-death experience and those things can get your heart beating again, and that's a good thing. But once you're dead, you cannot shock the heart into beating again. It's it's done deal. If I'm crucified with Christ, guess what? I I'm already have another type of life. It's His life living in me. And He's a shelter. And the name of the Lord is a strong tower. And He protects me. He that runneth into, he runneth into it is safe according to Proverbs. Amen. And there's just so many verses that are in here. And there's all these promises that God has given us that His ears are open unto our prayers and that He will answer and that He will use us in His service. And He has an eternal purpose that in the ages to come, that He can show His glory by the things that He's done in our life. But until then, I need mercy and truth to preserve my ways, and I need to daily perform my vows. Isn't that an incredible little song? Whole life of living. Just those few short verses. You see... Not about me. Not about you. 
It's about Jesus. Because he wants, even in these last days, to give a solid, living, physical, real-time testimony of his goodness and his grace in the life of human beings. Amen? So cry unto the Lord. But know that he already has the answer. That you already have the answer. And that I don't need to give up on tomorrow because I can daily perform my vows by the life that he gives me each and every day. And all God's people said. Let's just take a moment. Won't have the music tonight. Just a moment of quiet here. And the Lord's spoken to your heart about something. Just encourage you to slip out of your seat.